All right, we're back with another video, and this week is the first in our series of Coaches Catch Up. It's where we sit down with coaches we know and love. Well, not always love, but you know, some of them we do. Uh, find out a little bit more about their history, how they got into the industry, uh, lessons they've learned. Today, we are with the one, the only, Shane Rutherford. Um, Part-time funny man, full-time golfer. Once upon a time, you're our mentor, Mr. Yeah. Shane Rutherford. That was a very long time ago as well, wasn't it? Mate, seven. I was trying to figure this out the other day. How long ago was it? Seven years? Eight years? Uh, I moved. I moved over here. Geez, 2012. So that was eight years, and then yeah, it must have been just 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 around seven years ago. I think you guys joined. Yeah. So we know. So we know each other from. Uh, we used to work in a gym um, many moons ago, where Shane took me and Dave under his wing and uh, started us on our kind of journey to what we know today, which is why, Shane, you are guest number one on the Coaches Catch-Up. Excellent. Privilege. Privilege, yeah. So basically, uh, I guess for us, we want to find out a bit more about you. So why don't we start with right back in the early days when you were a wee nipper, if you can remember back that far, um, how you got into coaching, why you got into coaching. Well, um, I'm probably a lot older than most of, most of your uh, demographic anyway, I'm sure you guys Yeah. Uh, when did I get into it? So originally from New Zealand, uh, born and bred in Christchurch, played obviously played a lot of rugby, a lot of sport growing up. Um, was always kind of interested in it. Dad was quite an avid runner. My both my brothers were quite high level rugby players. Um, as you can imagine, two older brothers, you're just constantly out playing sport. Um, I got into the industry in 2006. So for those kind of know that time facebook wasn't even around um <laughs> so there's Wait, no what hang on F facebook used to not exist yeah facebook never, never existed there's no such thing as twitter instagram tiktok anything like that i think back then i think the very first thing i think i don't even, i think myspace maybe had just yes the market i think i think they might have been around how um, good is myspace yeah so i left new zealand after I actually, when I left school, I actually went into farming, which is quite an odd thing. Did three years of, uh, of farming, um, got, a, got a diploma in agriculture. I hated it, didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, spent three years milking cows, basically, um, and, and moved, to, moved to Australia about 18, 19 years of age. Just got up and left, packed my bags, um, potted around Aussie, just doing odds and sods, you know, you name it from water blasting to scaffolding to building to making cardboard boxes to hang on, hang on. water blasting yeah you name it wait what's water uh, blasting yeah water blasting yeah what's water blasting oh what do you guys call it over here power washing <laughs> yeah, water blasting yeah so and then i was playing quite good decent rugby and training and i just sort of I sort of fell into it because I, I was at a bit of a loose end and then did a, a, did a diploma in uh, exercise science in Brisbane and yeah, started my journey from there. So 2006, I went into a big, back then there wasn't such a thing as studios like we have now. Yeah. Uh, you know, there might've been the odd one around kicking about, but it wasn't as big as what, like group fitness back then in 2006 or anything like that was Les Mills. And yeah. That, and that was it. Or you know, the stuff you see with leg warmers. That's how, yes. you know. Aussie, Aussie aerobic style. Yeah, and just, just, well, Les Mills originated from New Zealand, so we grew up with it, but that's all there was. And 
So I went as a one-to-one -one trainer into a big gym, 2006, a place called Good Life. Um, did that for three years, got recruited to go to Dubai. So moved to Dubai in 2008, so 2005, yeah, 2008. Um, went to work as a, as a sort of assistant manager, kind of manager for Fitness First, dare I say it. Uh, that turned out to be an absolute awful experience. Like I say, there, there, are the, there are other awful fitness providers that are available. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, it was like the gunslinging West out there. It was just back then, 2008, it was, uh, once again, there was, it was just big corporation gyms and that was all yeah. that was put on offer. But I got jammed into a, into a, like a very old part of Dubai where it was very sort of East Asian, Indian, Sri Lankan, Pakistani based clients. And that's all you had. You had no yeah. So the whole language barrier and getting through and just, it was a tough six months. But then I saw a gap in the market um, over there. There's only two other companies. Um, you know, everywhere in that place over there had gyms. So no matter what apartment building you lived in, there was a gym in your building. So I uh, started a mobile fitness company from scratch, got myself a van, a high ace van, a proper like worker man's van. Everyone's driving around in Lamborghinis and Ferraris and <laughs> worker man's van. Uh, kitted it up and just, just went around and did group classes, did boot camps, worked on the beach, went to everywhere, one to one and all around the, the apartment blocks and stuff like that. Um, employed two or three other trainers in the first year. Um, you know, I'll be the first to admit I was very young, was I 25, 26, uh, I was very young in business. So made a lot of mistakes in business, uh, ended up selling it though, got rid of it and moved to London. Um, like I say, you said, do a brief rundown and we're like, moved across to London and met, uh, obviously a man here who I was quite playing quite Decent level rugby is over here. During one Christmas, got bumped into a, a trainer who owned a gym over here. Um, and then sort of inquired about coming over. And before, I don't know if you know the visa situation, you need a visa before you're 30. So I was 29. So I just basically packed up shop, sold the business in Dubai, moved here. Nice. Um, yeah. And then helped him grow his business and meet you guys, meet you and David Ash. And uh, we kind of, we were group fitness. And that's been sort of, Back then, in 2012, that's when group fitness was... It changed, didn't it? Training was coming into yeah. of everything, and it was actually starting to... It was a big shift. Like, you know, CrossFit wasn't even around. It was before the, the likes of F45s and Orange yeah. Theories and Barry's. CrossFit was very young. Um, like CrossFit hadn't even... You know, 2008, it still wasn't even around. And then sort of, you know, suddenly started, you know, and then the barrier before any of that kind of big stuff happened. And, you know, we, you know, you, you remember it was busy, it was busy as hell. Like it was, it was crazy how fast it grew. Um, and then I, well, I left there two years and went, I kind of changed tact a little bit in my, in my career. And thought, you know, I wanted to go down the sort of sports rehabby, more movement-based mobility. Um, I, I don't like the word using the word holistic, so more yeah. like kind of looking at, at, at things as a whole. Uh, yeah. Started a company, or you know, moved into a company with a, a 
what I deem as a mate back then, business partner. I'll come into that later. Um, and it was just a lot of osteos, a lot of physios. You know, I, I had the gym floor and da da da, and we all worked as one big team. So everything was in the one room, one building. Uh, to the present day, and then I sort of created Enhance back in what, two years ago, two, three years ago. Yeah. Place in Earlsfield now for 18 months, uh, coming up to two years. Yeah. And that's where we are today. And so, would you, so like going back over what we just spoke about, I mean, I think the biggest things that, takeaway i think one of the reasons i got into fitness and um or personal training was but it gave me or i thought it'd give me that opportunity if i ever wanted it to work anywhere i wanted in the world it's a qualification that if i had it and i wanted to go traveling i could and i could work and if i wanted to move abroad and work i could which is you know obviously your testament to that you've lived in three different countries and and worked as a personal trainer within those places built businesses and, and you know had relative success in all of them um which i think is amazing and i think that you know for people looking to get in the industry it gives you that freedom right to say actually it's a qualification that's recognized any anywhere yeah and, and it, it was also back then when i got into it it was i don't know i always found i worked better it sounds really selfish i always found i worked better for myself and and i always if i can have control and what i wanted to do in my diary or when i wanted to work and you know, it wasn't because I, that wasn't my sole reason. I, you know, I was quite a big lad and, and dropped a load of weight with a trainer. And I was like, oh, it's, it's quite nice helping people and work with various amount of like sports coaches through rugby and stuff like that. And so, you know, but it is to me why I got into it. it was like, well, I always wanted to come to London. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't coming to London to farm. And I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what i had so i needed something more to go and and you could see back then that there was a big trend in how people were perceiving their bodies and fitness and working out and stuff like that. you could see where it was going yeah uh, and like i say back then it was still les mill classes and running on a treadmill there wasn't you know and, and lifting and lifting weights there wasn't as much information as it is nowadays out there. right yeah yeah, I agree. So I touched on that and again. So how has the industry changed, do you think? think? I mean, we've we've kind of with similar ages, right? We've we've kind of gone through our probably careers not quite as long as yours, but we've both been seem to have been at the sort of start of things as they've started to change, right? So we, like you said, it was Globo gyms, but as time's gone on, what have you seen as the biggest changes? Uh, funny enough, I was speaking to my wife about this before. I was like, this is quite a tricky question because as much as I don't want to say it, social media has been a massive change in this industry. Like yeah. it's huge. Like I say, there wasn't even a Facebook around when I was there. So the use of social media to basically to promote or to showcase fitness. Um, but there has been different trends and, and switches. Like, you know, there was that whole holistic approach that, you know, a couple of years of, 10 years ago where everyone sort of changed into the whole and then the nutrition got into it and then it was movement and mobility and then it was crossfit which was basically circuit training with a fancy name and then it was and then it just sort of just it all and then it, and now it seems like everyone's a specialist and it could be, it could yeah. be a specialist of, you know pre-natal yeah. wasn't even a big thing back then 
So there's so much more pillars to the fitness industry now than say back then. I remember back then, Ash, there was me and an Irish guy in this Clover gym and we, and I've still got them hanging up today. We were the first ones to have TRX and that yeah. was about 2006 and they were about $200 Aussie dollars. They were mega yeah. expensive, but no one else used them and no one else had them and kettlebells were just coming out then. Yeah. So yeah, the, in, in terms of fitness, I mean, it's the wheel was invented a long time ago. Yeah. We start, we lunge, we overhead press, we hinge, we do all that yeah. stuff. And that's been around for since Adam was a cowboy. So none of that I, I, changed. I think that's the thing. I think I think everyone can get carried away. And it's, and it's easy to, you know, we've all probably been guilty of it uh, to, to some extent throughout our careers of thinking, oh, actually that, you know, that niche is probably the way I should go down. Now, as I say, I started probably a bit later um, in, in my career, kind of came back to personal training, having worked as sales and all other sorts of things. I just enjoy it. When I came through, it was kind of kettlebells, were just starting to come through but no one's really teaching much about the kettlebell i got introduced to the trx again by a, a, a kind of friend at the time who's gone on to do a lot more and, and you know i mean raves that trx is as, as their only the only thing they need now i used to hang it from a tree in a park and a cat i used to take a kettlebell on the tube you know i'd get weird looks and all sorts bashing people around but that was my that's how i started but then it was i went i kind of fell for the right i have to have a niche I can't just be a jack of all trades, right? I have to, you know, for me, it was Olympic lifting or nutritional. I had to kind of think, right, I need to find something that, that differentiates me. But the reality is what differentiated me was, was me, my personality, how I am with clients, you know, yeah. everything else. Well, the secret's in the name, isn't it? You know, personal training, that's what I'm trying to get across to a young employee the other day. The secret's in the name, and it, it's personal training. Like you're yeah. a... You're building rapport with that person. I think one of the biggest things I like, you know, I learned early on is don't train the client how you would train. Not yeah. everyone, not everyone needs to train that way. There's people that will come into, like you know, for example, you might have a, a 50 year old who loves training, but what's the point of doing five hip sessions with this person? Yeah, pre menopause or whatever, or you know, this person that's coming out of injury or whatever. What, so there's, there's, I think, I think as a, in the fitness industry, we can, what's the kind of how we can, one foot, one size fits all a bit too much. And yeah. it, this person could benefit from just strength training. This person could benefit from just moving a little bit more or yeah. mobility or something like that. I think, I think industry is kind of guilty for it, isn't it? You get a lot of people saying, Oh, it's you know this is the best way. Most of the time, if someone's telling you it's the best way, is because that's the way they do it, and they're trying to sell you something. So the easiest way for them to to say my way is the best is by demonising everything else and saying, "I oh, don't do CrossFit or get you injured." Well, it won't if you've got a really good coach who teaches you how to progress and regress exercises. CrossFit can be amazing because it's got an amazing community and everything else. But if you get a bad coach, it can be dangerous. But the same way in which media thing comes into the wires. Yeah such an industry because there is so much information out there it's 90 percent of the time conflicting information from yeah. barry over here to jonathan over here to samantha over here you know and they they're all demonstrating a squat three different ways yeah you can all squat differently there's different ways of squatting but it's still fundamentally a squat yeah. Um, so yeah so but you know i think 
and, and, and as a whole, I think the fitness industry is in a good place. Um, yeah. There's no be or end or of, of what you should be doing. I, no, I think I think one of the biggest things is, I guess the things I've kind of picked over his over the years is definitely find your style, right? Find what makes you tick. Because at the end of the day, if you if you you know, I, as much as I love mobility and everything else, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't dedicate my life to learning everything there is about mobility because there's some phenomenal people who teach really good mobility stuff. But I know enough about mobility, having taught Pilates, having done gymnastics training, you know, having had a kind of an, an interest in it to be able to really help people with the mobility. But I wouldn't call myself a movement specialist, right? But I think you, you have to get a uh, like a, a grounded understanding of the different facets of training, but then make that into your you know, what is your style? Well, I use X, Y, and Z as a part of my kind of overall, like you said, whether it's holistic, whatever it might be. Um, but I, you know, at one point I was definitely, I guess, guilty of being like, I have to be niche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to be the first, like, first Olympic lifting with a tattoo and a, and a, and a tash in the top knot. <laughs> if you've been in the industry long enough, I think you always go through a different, you always go through, it takes, a, I think it takes a lot longer than what people probably think that it does to establish what you are as a coach or you are as a trainer. I think people go yeah. in and go, right, this is what I'm going to do. But then after a year, I sort of say, actually, that's not what I want to do. That's not how no. I want to train people. And then I'll change again. And it took me, it took me a very long time to really go, right, this is how I'm going to do it. And this is my my sort of understanding and style of what I'm going to do. But also people don't people you've got to remember as well people don't know you as a trainer from year one right year two it takes time to build up that trust that kind of no like trust element so if you're you know from day one you come in you're like no i only do this you either like it or you lump it right well quite often you're going to lose money it took me like three or four years to have the confidence to turn clients down because i just thought you're not going to be right we're not going to fit. We know that what you want and what I deliver are two very different things, right? You want to do a marathon. I'm not going to run with you. Right? End of story. I hate running, but that took ages. To, yeah, you know, yeah. Day one, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I'll do it all. <laughs> like, yeah, but you become like a running coach and Olympic lifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, before you know it, you're like trying to program 10 different things. That yeah. So I said, I suppose What's your biggest lesson then? What's the biggest thing you got from, you know, from, from day one, all those years ago to sort of now? What's the biggest thing you've learned? Um, is less, I suppose less is more is definitely the cliche one. Uh, yeah. Program less, you can always add more um, if, if need be. Um, the biggest lessons I've learned is screen, always screen your clients, screen your, screen your, screen your clients. Um, especially on a one-to-one -one basis. If we're talking purely one-to-one PTing, yeah, even semi-private, semi-private PTing, screen your screen your clients. Like, have an understanding on how the body moves and what should be moving and where it should be moving. Like I said, don't have to be a specialist at it, but have a, have yeah. a, have a big understanding of of what the anatomy is supposed to be doing during certain movements, certain exercises. Um, I think I was always. Back, back 2006 to 2008, kind of back in my first couple of years, I was a bit naive and didn't really screen anyone. I yeah. just kind of had a quick park you and found out a little bit about them and, and then Bob's your uncle, bang, we're away. Um, and like you say, program far too much. Um, and you don't need to, like, you know, the, all the bells and whistles. 
It doesn't always, yeah. don't, you know, there is, there is so much into push-pull lower body or push-pull legs or, you know, if you were doing just a one person, you're only seeing them once a week, why program 10 sets of 10 for a bench press? Like, yeah. Makes no sense. Do something that's going to give them a full body, like proper workout, but it's going to target exactly where they need to. But screening, screening, and and sort of taking the time to listen to the client is the other thing. Like, yeah, massively. So, okay, let's yeah, I wouldn't. Let's I wouldn't go over those then. So, in terms of screening, if you had to do, I mean, we talked, but there's something we did a video on uh, the other day, and again, I think it's it's hugely important. It does need to be this kind of big, big thing. I mean, I was guilty. I did the FMS years ago and I loved it. And I've probably taken bits of that now and bits of other things I've done. But if you have to kind of give someone advice on a, on a movement screen, how, like, how in-depth you need to go? Or what would you look at? What would be the kind of few things you'd definitely look at? Um, just like taking my experience from FMS and taking my experience from working with just osteos under my nose for two or three years and watching other ways of screening. Um, I'd always do a walking, just a general walking test. I'd like getting them to walk up and down a, a length of room that they can actually freely walk. I think you can get, you can gather quite a lot from just them walking. You can see hip, hip movement, you can see hip shift, you can see ankle movement, all that sort of stuff. You can see if they tighten their thoracic spine. You know, people, you can see whether they're actually moving from their thoracic or what, whatever's going on. You see if they're all sat and rounded. Um, just a general standing still kind of, uh, I call it like the anatomy, where they just stand with their palms open and just yeah. having a proper look at them. Um, an overhead squat with a with either fresh air pie or or with a with a stick or yeah. with a hand or something like that. I think if you can you can gather so much information. Yeah just from an overhead squat. Um, and then just general, like doing a squat with them, doing a doing a posterior or a step back, like a lunge with them, seeing what their stability yeah. are. Um, getting them to even just get their arms and where their arms are going above their heads, just really simple. That takes you two to three to five minutes and you, you can gather enough information yeah. to get right. This is what we kind of need to work on. This is where you're... And I think as well for people starting out, the, the, the kind of the fear is, is it's a lot of information to take in. The, the beauty nowadays is like we've said, the social media, that, you can film your client doing all four of those things right on your phone. And you can, you can have a client assessment session, which might be 30 minutes where you, you know, you say, right, we come in first session, a little bit of assessment, have a chat to them, take them through a very basic workout. So you can go, but all of that you can film and go away. If you're still, if you're new to coaching and you're not, you're not sure of it and yeah yeah and then don't and then in the screening i i just you know i was back in the early stages of screening i was very probably I, i'd give them too much information you know and i'd throw big words at them which they didn't need to know about internal yeah. of the hip and da, 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 and you're like you don't need to know that you just need to know where your hips are <laughs> where your yeah. ankles are where your thoracic spine is that's all you need to know this is what we're yeah. going to um because i you know you'll get one percent of your clients will want to know the geeky stuff. Yeah, they want to know that they're, they're being trained properly and they they're working to their goal, not your goal, their goal. Um, but I think you need to always have an underlying path on where you want to go with them because you know by screening them they're like, yeah, I want to, I just want to get big in the upper body. You're like, yeah, yeah. do that. <laughs> but I'm so also, 
without yeah. I'm also going to do this kind of movement based stuff so you can actually move better in your upper body when it's big you know so, so that's the favorite thing we, we always say you've got to give them you've got to give them 80 percent of what they uh, I'm going to confuse myself now essentially you're giving them 80 percent of what they need and 20 percent of what they want but making them think like they're getting 80 percent of what they want and 20 percent of what they need and it's and again that is that I mean, you've we kind of alluded to it a number of times. Um, it's it's not overcomplicating things. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of shooting back a little a few steps. I remember one of the first things you ever said to me was kiss. And I was like, mate, what are you on about? I'm like, I've only just met you, but hey, if you know, if you want to, <laughs> let's go. Um, but it was keep it keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. The kiss principle of everything. If if you look at a program and you just think, is that going to confuse everybody? And if it is, it's probably too in detail. You don't need it to be that much. Essentially. Unless you're specific in your, I'm training an athlete, or I'm training an injury rehab person, and I have to be very specific. We train general population, average Joes, who might want to get, you know, you might have one who might want to push a little bit harder, ex-rugby player or football player, whatever it might be, or someone who is just in the office the whole time and wants to move a bit better. Regardless, it's still very, very simplified, right? They don't need to be doing super crazy stuff because it'll probably break them. So yeah. that kiss, that kiss thing. If I can get one, one kind of, the one thing that stuck with me from like our years together and, and and you know training under you for quite a bit was just that very right. Is this too hard? Is it too complicated? Is there too much going on? And if there is, it's not going to work. Because you know, like if you go to go into group training stuff and you have something on your board, I, mean, I remember you know there's been many people like that have worked under me where I've just walked up the board and just gone. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, that's just, that's going to, A, their heads are going to go, yeah. you're going to demonstrate it and it's going to be like, absolutely, it's just not going to work and you're going to spend 17 minutes demonstrating because there's so much on there. Like yeah. 20 people, 40 exercises all at once and you're like. I still do Ash, I still walk up, I still walk up to people, mm, no. Yeah. Or you see me a plan through it, we're like, you probably we, get of that. We've had the benefit, and again, it's all comes with hindsight. We we a we've done it for for a long time now, seven eight years of of high level, you know, really good group fitness classes before they were even a thing. And also, we did it in a space that was so small for the amount of people that we had to think right, how do I get an effective workout but in a small space, right? So yeah, you, you so you planned it. it wasn't literally it was like I've got two mats for one person. It's like if if one person's doing a burpee here. And the other person stood there, right, okay, that works, that one. So it was, you know, people go into a big room and they've got all this kit and they think, I've got to use it all. And you're like, put it all away. Yeah. Why are you doing overhead walking lunges with a barbell next to the lady on a TRX? You're going to take your head off in a minute. So, um, so okay, well, I guess that leads us into the next bit then, I guess, which is if you had, I guess, one bit of advice from all your years of experience, things you've seen, for someone that's either just started out in the industry or is coming through and thinking about being a personal trainer, what would be your kind of one bit of advice you'd go to? Um, or I suppose it would be take your time to find what you want to do. Take, take your time where you want to sort of position yourself in the industry. Um, don't fall into the trap of having to think you have to do absolutely everything and be a specialist at absolutely everything. But don't, you know, if, if you're just coming into the industry, 
just be be good at most thing and and then work on it but constantly learn like that's one of the, one of the biggest things that i got taught when i was you know young and, and coming through was i 22 when i came in 2023 20, and it's just constantly learning like you don't have to go off and do all the courses you don't yeah. have to go off and do everything but at least once a year do something to refresh or do something to to like stimulate your mind to, to think so, so slightly differently to you know don't don't go down the rabbit hole of this is exactly how it is charles poliquin told me this is what i must do you know but that's the you know that's the kind of rabbit hole that you go down like i did check i did check level one and two back then i was like paul check is the man and then i like i got to level three and i was like he is absolutely bonkers i'm just <laughs> you know what i mean like and so that's the same thing. TRX is the BOE. No, well, no, it's no. But so yeah. don't fall down that rabbit hole of like actually gather everyone's information and take the good parts of it and use it. That's why I like CrossFit. Yeah. There's some very good stuff of it. There's some very sh shocking stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, most F45. There's some very shocking stuff with it. There's some good stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, Community. Let's leave it. Yeah. There's that. always a little bit of good stuff with everything. Just take the good stuff, what you deem the good stuff, and compile it into how you want to position yourself. Do you think as well, I guess, from having 10 plus years in experience as well, I remember when I first started out, it was very difficult to get, um, I guess, almost get help from people that were in the same boat as you. Because if you, the, the way people used to see it was, if, if I, say if I come to you, Shane, and I said, listen, Shane, I've got a client who's got, you know, knackered ankles or something i need a bit of advice on how to work them they'll be like yeah but if i tell you that advice you then become as good as i am and therefore i can't i will lose clients and there was always i used to confuse me like how can that be the mentality of someone i never got that and i, I was you know I, I think i said to you lads when i first met you i was like there's no point in me having this many years experience of what i've done and with blah, 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 and not sharing it with anyone there's no yeah. point sitting back and because and, I think people especially in the one-to-one -one game are like well ooh, I don't want to can I see your program oh I don't want to see your program ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's nothing revolutionary mate I just want to know why you're programming it that way but yeah. I think I think people do get caught up on that they're a bit too worried to give away it's not your secret it's it's the information that's been out there yeah. why not it'll help that young trainer become good like it will yeah i've always been i mean i've always been a bit like i always overshare with my ideas and stuff like that you know with especially with my staff and with with trainers and stuff i'm like well yeah this is why i do it this is what's happening here this is what i see here what do you see there yeah. and ask them like lead them down a, a run of like well figure it out for yourself but i'll give you the information you need but people in this industry sometimes can be like really guarded back and go no, no i'm gonna yeah it's definitely changed. I think it's changed because I think, it's I think the, yeah, and I think that a lot of that comes in to do with how the industry's changed. Like you said, in terms of it's gone, it's gone from people walking the floor of a Globo gym trying to get clients to people working within amazing teams and communities and networks now, where actually everybody wants to improve the industry. So we've, we, you know, we've got these smaller boutique fitness spaces like ourselves and you and and you know the many others in London and around the country and stuff that. People, everyone in there is trying to help people within their community to be a part of something and improve and, and learn everything else. Whereas, you know, you're not fighting for the same kind of 
piece of bread anymore. It's like, right, well, actually, we can we can make the place better as a whole, which will then improve all of us. So it's like hundred percent. And social media again, you can get loads of information. I think it. I think it's people like the best coaches will give away information because they know that that's not really why their clients are with them. Their clients are with them, like we said a number of times, for your personality, for the way you deliver it. No one in you know my 36 years of life has has reinvented fitness ever. But I've, and, I've probably got 90% of my business, 99, if you ever go and have a look at my social media, you'll see my personal one has got nothing whatsoever yeah. with fitness. I don't have any, I don't jump on it, maybe because I'm old and I don't really know it and I don't really want to do it and da 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 but 90% of my business has always come from referral. It's come from yeah. referral of the client I'm working with, then they tell them and da, da, da. And that's just how I've, I've got through the, like how I've been successful in the industry is because of those, of those core pillars and those kind of yeah. beliefs I have. And then I'm helping this person da, da, then they tell, and then, and that's how I got so busy. It was because it was just yeah. referral system. I like I direct all my fitness stuff to the enhance page because I'm like, like I don't do it on social media because it's I'm not the same. I don't need to. I'm, yeah, I'm the same, and I and I think it's I think building a brand is huge for for kind of people in the industry. I think I don't my for for me now the brand isn't me. I don't care about that anymore. You know, I'd rather post videos and photos of me making bread now than I would anything else, right? But for Evolve and the, and the Evolve Coach Academy, everything is about the brand. Everything is about us as a, you know, who we are as a business, what we stand for. But mainly it's like, this is who we train. And so therefore you can go on, you know, any of our social medias to the business and look at, actually, do I fit in there? Like, is that somewhere I feel comfortable walking into? And you can see, I don't, I don't want people to look at me and Dave and, and our trainers training. I don't want people just say oh my god look you can do you know a 2000 meter rose in six minutes 50 no i don't care it's like um yeah well i was, I was trying to pick a number that sounded um, <laughs> um but yeah so it, it's 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 one of those things where i want them i want our brand to be for people to look at and go actually do i want to train under these guys and would i feel comfortable whether that's becoming a personal trainer or whether that's a client in our gym yeah. it's all about making sure that it's not a, it's not just about you it's not top soft it's not anything else you know so it's um but yeah I, there is some very very good coaches out there that are giving some good free content away yeah but it's like any industry isn't it there's some very good probably some very good restaurants out there there's some very shocking ones there's some very good bars there's some very shocking ones do you know what i mean there's yeah. I, I think with our industry the difference is, is you can be you can become um a person of influence we'll call them um without having any qualification right you can you can you can train yourself well you can be very good at marketing and you can turn that into being a fitness influencer having had zero qualification or zero learning that's my only issue with it ever is like i get frustrated that not because i think you're stealing you know you're never stealing money away from me but it's like you can't prescribe exercises to somebody that's going to follow them when you don't know anything about them and you don't know anything about the exercise. So people are doing, you know, single leg backflips off a BOSU. You're like, someone's going to do that, break a leg and there's no comeback. I love a BOSU. Mate, bring back the BOSU and fat grips. There's been oh. some beds. I love the BOSU. <laughs> so, <laughs> mate, what's, um, what, what's, what's, what's the future? What's that? Oh, the, um, power plate. 
Oh, great. Yeah, that's another one. So one, of my, one of my first jobs in London was 20-minute power plate classes. Nice. I, I lasted two weeks, and then I was like, oh, mate, you shook, shook me up that one. In fitness first, you had to, you had to, in Dubai, you had to program at least 10 minutes of your program had to be on the power plate. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> They're actually very good for like activation, um, power drills, uh, and like, and more like massage. I remember doing something a couple of years ago with power plate. Um, and it was, it was interesting to watch what they're actually intended for. They're not intended for 20 minute workouts for the ladies of Fulham and Notting Hill <laughs> to go and go, I've done my workout. You're like- Squats, press ups and lunges on them. And you're like- Yeah. Um, so what, okay, I guess I, I'm, I'm reading into it that you're not gonna be doing any power plate classes anytime soon at Enhance, but what does it, what does the future hold for, for you and Enhance then? Uh, well, we're still good to me and, and- in business, you know, two years in, we're still quite in our infancy, infancy stage. Um, you know, this has this has been obviously it's been a troubled and tough year for everyone. We we had a great year one and and we're smashing it. We were there was only a couple of we're in Earlsfield, so there was only we we're right on the high street. Um, there's a couple of other really good gyms around, so there's not much going on in Earlsfield at the moment. So, you know, it was a really good place where we positioned ourselves as, as location went. Um, uh, you know, we obviously want to get back to a, a normal, get back to what we were doing. And then, you know, there's always that number two around the corner that you kind of look for. Not the baby, that's another three weeks. <laughs> yeah. uh, number two, and then, and then we'll just see where it goes from there. Like, it's just, um, yeah, like I say, we're only two years in, so we're kind of, we'll just let it grow. You know, yeah. I, hate, I hate using, we'll let it grow organically. No, we'll, just, we'll grow fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, then, yeah, it's just get, back, get back to some kind of normality inside the place. Like it's- Yeah, I think despite it all, even this year has been, you know, it's been a strange, strange year, but the one the one thing we'll take from it, I think is as gym owners and trainers, it, it, in the industry is absolutely thriving. I think people are seeing that the importance of health not just for physical health, but you know, mental health, everything, especially in lockdown, the kind of community aspect of it. So building communities is it's unbelievable. I mean, we went again into a lockdown, into a position where we were like as a business doing really well. Lockdown hits, you can't lock down, you think, my God, this is gonna take some coming back from. And then I've never, I've never seen it so big. Oh, it's been it's been phenomenal. And and just because people's attitudes are so different now. They're like, I want to be A, a part of something like a community, but B, I'm, I, I'm willing to pay a bit more money for my, my health and my fitness now. So it is a, you know, it's an amazing time to be a, be a part of it. Especially in the communities, especially back in the, like the, back in the communities, like there, people will start supporting their community gyms like a lot more than going, you know, and listen, don't be under any like illusion that it's going to be like this forever. Like, Oh, no. have to go back to the offices the london the city of london will have to get back on its feet so yeah. ride it when you can like you know the, the community gyms at the moment they're the, you know they are what's keeping people's mental health together yeah. like it's you know people you know i was saying just before this new lockdown to our guys it's the one ounce of normality that you still hold on to when you come to the gym you forget yeah. about everything you literally walk in sanitize your hands go to your square boom, you talk to someone else, you're not talking to a screen and you're not sat in your bloody front room. 
and yeah. you, it's the one and you see people when they walk in like the <laughs> the minimal amount of moaning we've had after lockdown one before lockdown two inside the gym it's yeah. amazing like it's amazing yeah. people inside the gym they're just there now to be happy work out see the benefit of it all mentality physical and then they leave and then they might go and talk social distancing talk yeah. outside the gym next yeah. come in and, it, and it's just but it was just like it was such a refreshing thing to see after lockdown one people's approach and different approach to health and fitness and, yeah. what it, and it's just it's, i think as well is getting those those messages this this i've I said this a number of times i continue to say it forever more i i love this industry for, for, for many reasons okay one of them is that it's the messages you get from people and from clients that they're telling you something you didn't even realize you were helping them with, right? It's worth more than, and it's, you know, it's a cheesy thing to say, but it's worth more than any money anyone can ever pay you because we all do this job. It's, you know, you, it's long hours. It is unsociable hours, but we all love it, right? We, you know, there's always things we're going to moan about like any job, but we, we all love what we do because you're helping people. And whenever you get that one message from someone, it might just be, do you know what? Again, lockdown. I live on my own. I don't really have much social interaction anymore because of that. Um, I've been on Zoom calls and just that one hour or 45 minutes of a social or a, a class or a workout has got me through it. Yeah, yeah, mate, it's amazing. Well, mate, listen, we will leave it there. It's been uh, a great catch up and uh, thank you for giving us all your knowledge to the future future of the fitness industry. Um, if you want to find you on social media, it is... <laughs> um, I was <laughs> at Shane Rudds underscore enhance, I think is my Instagram. <laughs> And what's it and at enhance underscore fitness uh, for the enhanced one? And yeah, that's where you'll find me. Perfect, and guys. If you are in the uh, Ellsfield area, go and check him out. It's the only decent gym in Ellsfield. So make sure you go and see it. Team, we will see you again soon. Shane, thank you very much. See you guys. Peace out.